When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And we'll turn it over to Q&A. Go ahead, Keegan. Hey, Justin, thank you for, uh, for doing this with us today. I'm Keegan Matheson with uh, MLB.com. Uh, starting, just wondering, what, what about Toronto stood out to you? Why Toronto when you had other options? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't know how most guys do it, but, you know, I've gone through free agency a few times now, and at the beginning of it, um, you know, I think there's always some sort of internal desire just to go back to where you were because, of, you know, familiarity and continuity and comfort but uh at the same time uh you know I like to put together a list of I guess destinations that uh I would hope to to land at and you know Toronto was one of the teams at the top of that list so uh obviously playing in Boston last year getting a a front row view of of them and their starting pitching their bullpen um which is fantastic and certainly a, a lot of talent in that lineup um, who, I mean, some might say had a little bit of a down year last year, offensively, some of those guys and still were able to, to be a playoff team. So um, I think it's a, a great fit. I'm looking forward to uh, getting over there and hopefully having an impact on some of their younger guys and, and maybe making them help them take the next step. And Justin, as you've seen this team the last few years in this window that they're in right now, a few playoff appearances, but still trying to get over that hump. Uh, what do you think that the next step is for this team now that you're joining it, that that next step that this team can take, where do you see that coming from? Yeah. I mean, obviously the next step is, is playing deeper into the playoffs, but um, I can tell you firsthand uh, playoffs are hard, man. Uh, it doesn't matter how talented or how good or how hot you are. I think the playoffs are, are kind of a, a crap shoot on who, who gets hot, uh, you know, you get a, a pitcher who starts, you know, throwing the ball well, and, and you can ride that guy. Um, I was with the Dodgers for nine years and made the playoffs all nine years, and and we came out of it with one championship. So uh, I think it's just about, you know, having the right guys, having the momentum, uh, and, and really, you know, the one thing that stood out for me from our 2020 team than all the other teams, it wasn't necessarily that it was more talented in L.A. It's just, you know, that was one of the most unselfish teams I'd been a part of where it didn't matter whether you were in the lineup, not in the lineup, uh, starter asked to go to the bullpen, bullpen guy asked to change roles, like everyone accepted it. And it was about winning a championship. So uh, I think that's what 
you know, the 162 is for, obviously you had to make the playoffs to have that opportunity, but also, you know, lining it up and getting guys to buy into, Hey, if you want to win a world series, like we're going to have to, you know, swallow some pride and, and, and just do whatever it takes, whether that's the sexy role or not. Um, I promise you, you won't care about it when you're, you know, holding that trophy at the end of the day. All right. Thank you, Justin. Go ahead, Ben. Thanks, Adam. Hey, Justin, uh, Ben Nicholson Smith with uh, Sportsnet. Um, wondering what the timeline was like. Like, when did you hear from the Jays and when did talks kind of pick up and get to the point that you thought, hey, maybe something could get done here? Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty well documented. It's been an interesting free agency um, for everyone. Uh, really slow in terms of guys getting signed. Uh, you know, my agent had gone to the GM meetings and was super excited, had a lot of dialogue with a lot of teams. Um, and then, you know, that got cut a little bit short uh, because of some some illness going around. And then you fast forward to winter meetings and the conversations kind of got a little bit less. And then uh, you keep going. And actually, the Blue Jays were one of the first teams that reached out and and one of the only teams I actually sat down and had a Zoom call with and talked to Snides and, and Ross Atkins and, um, you know, had dialogue about, you know, what they thought about me, what I thought about them, had the chance to ask questions, answer questions. And, you know, after that Zoom, I think it was mutual that that we felt it would be a good fit. Um, it actually took a little bit longer after that Zoom uh, than I thought it would to to get things going, but um, definitely happy to have landed up in Toronto. Nice. And when approximately was that, that Zoom call you had with those guys? Uh, it was sometime in December, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And then in those conversations, obviously your resume as a hitter speaks for itself, but as a defensive player, uh, what's your expectation as far as what kind of role you might play, um, you know, to the extent that you do this year? Yeah. I mean, I, I like to keep my goals and expectations pretty simple. My, my job is to be available for Snyder in any way he needs me for as many games as I possibly can. So, I want to be healthy. I want to be on the field for 162 and I want to let, you know, Snides plug me in wherever he needs me to play. If that's playing a lot of third base, uh, I'll be ready to play third base. If it's spelling Vlad at first, uh, I'll be ready for that. And if it's mainly a DH role, like that's, that's great too. So um, I get asked all the time, what, what's my favorite position? And it's literally just being in a lineup, right? I don't, I don't really care where I'm playing. I actually played some second base last year too. So I don't know if that's on the bingo card or not, but um, I'd I'd be willing to do that as well. So nice. Thank you. Go ahead, Shai. Hey, Justin. Uh, Thanks for doing this. Appreciate the time. Shai Davidi from Sportsnet. Uh, I want to touch on uh, a couple of things that you mentioned a bit earlier. First thing you said is uh, the potential for impacting younger teammates Uh, You've obviously got a reputation and talking to some of your former teammates, you have a lot of praise for what you bring to the clubhouse. Uh, I wonder if you can maybe just describe a bit about your approach to getting to know teammates, finding ways to connect with them, finding ways to maybe help bring out the best in them. Yeah, so this was uh, a little different. Last year was the first year I was walking into a new clubhouse in a long time and having to meet a lot of new faces. And, um, you know, like I said, I played with the Dodgers for a long, long time. I won a World Series with them. I made a couple of all-star teams with them. So the stuff on the back of the card is there, obviously. But that doesn't mean when you walk in a room, people just respect you because you you did some cool things in the past. 
And that's kind of the way I go about it. And I look at it, I got to build and work on these relationships and create a trust to where uh, I earn that respect. It's not just given to me by, by walking through the door. And um, I kind of had that mentality last year um, going into Boston. And uh, I think it was probably the best way to go about it for me because it made those relationships and those conversations a little bit more real and, and less, you know, on the surface, like, Oh, I'm an older guy. I've played for so many years. You have to respect me and do what I say. Like, I don't think that flies anymore. So um, it's, it's a two way street. You know, I want to get to know these guys and I want to earn their respect um, just as I'm sure, you know, they want to earn my respect. And uh, you touched a little bit about some of the playoff experience uh, and some of the lessons you took from the 2020 team. Uh, on a personal level, uh, your performance in the postseason, it's a 830 OPS over 86 games. I mean, it's a really meaningful sample. What have you learned about on a personal level about finding a level of performance at a time where they're mo the most is at stake, all the eyeballs are on you, all the other external factors come into play as well? Yeah, I think the best way to go about the playoff atmosphere is to try to hone in and literally play at one pitch at a time. Um, one at bat at a time. Um, you know, you don't know how many you're going to get in that postseason. So uh, letting your first at bat, second at bat or third at bat dictate or affect, you know, what you do in the, those seventh, eighth or ninth inning at bats uh, isn't, isn't a recipe for success. So you literally have to just separate, you know, offensively you have to separate every at bat like you're going up there 0 for 0 and, and take it one at bat at a time and I think the same goes uh you know for the pitching staff you I've seen guys cruising cruising through games and then all of a sudden fifth inning sixth inning they they hit the bump in the road and you're like what happened and uh you just can't let your foot off the off the gas pedal and you got to take every every single inning like it's the ninth inning and you're and you're up a run and and that's kind of the recipe that I think uh, works the best in the playoffs. It's obviously hard to do. It takes a, a lot of uh, mental uh, capacity to do that. At the end of the games, you're absolutely exhausted and, and you should be because it's a playoff game and, and those are the ones that mean the most. Appreciate the thoughts. Go ahead, Rob. Hey, Justin, uh, Rob Longley from the Toronto Sun. Um, you alluded to sort of having a front row seat uh, at seeing the Jays a little closer last last year. Um, what stood out to you about some of the individuals in terms of, of talent and, and, and upside, perhaps? I mean, obviously, the starting pitching um, is fantastic there. Uh, I don't think you go anywhere in this game without starting pitching. Uh, and so that was obviously the first box that was a huge check mark. Um, for the Blue Jays, they they're deep. They all throw the ball really well. They all mix their pitches and and know how to go deep in games, which in turn kind of takes some pressure off the bullpen, which is a very good bullpen as well. So um, I really enjoyed that kind of uh, game plan. You know, you see the starters go deep in the game. Your bullpen only has to cover three three innings. Uh, those guys stay fresh. So in turn, they're, they're throwing the ball better. And then, you know, on the flip side, offensively, just a lot of impact players, a lot of guys that can, can change the game in so many ways. And, um, you know, starting with, with Bo Bichette and, and Vladdy, who obviously are extremely talented. And then uh, you have some younger guys. I, I follow Bo and, and Alejandro Kirk just because we have the same agency. So I, I pay a little more attention to those guys probably than anyone else, but um 
Yeah, I, I've played against Dalton Varsho since he came up as a rookie when he was with the Diamondbacks. So uh, there's some familiarity there. Uh, Gavin Biggio, you know, you have those three guys who whose dads all played in the big leagues. Uh, you immediately know that, uh, you know, it's going to be a good clubhouse culture because they know how to act. They know how to be around guys. They know what to do. So uh, I'm looking forward to joining them and, and being a part of that. And those Dodger teams, obviously a lot of talent. And, and you talked a little bit about the, the sort of the clubhouse uh uh, vibe that was there, but what, what in your opinion makes a good successful clubhouse? I don't think there's any one thing that you have to have. It, it's just the biggest thing for me is, is making sure guys enjoy winning baseball games, like winning baseball games in the major league level is really hard to do. And it's something I don't think you should take for granted. So uh, I, I, I really believe that, uh, you know, teams that enjoy every single win, uh, you know, that creates a little bit more chemistry or a little bit more of that dynamic uh, than teams that win games and just come in, do their media shower and leave. Thanks, Justin. Go ahead, Kayla. Hi, Justin. Um, thanks for your time. This is Caitlin McGrath from The Athletic. Uh, I was curious, just um, your experience with the Dodgers. You guys obviously made the playoffs um, a lot when you were there winning finally in 2020, but what did the team as a whole and you yourself learn from maybe those times where you didn't achieve the ultimate goal of winning the world series? What do you kind of learn from playoff losses maybe um, from your experience? Yeah, I, I think I, I said at the beginning as a playoffs is it's literally, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit of a cop-out because we only won one time out of the nine, but like it, it's a, it's a crapshoot. It's, it's tough to be the last team standing in baseball. And and I think uh, that's pretty evident by how many different champions we've had over the last 10, 15 years. Right. Uh, you, it really, uh, it, what it really does is it makes you respect and tip your hat to those Yankees teams that, you know, went on that crazy run and and won it over and over and over again and three-peated and did all that. Like, after my experiences and what I've been through, like, holy crap, like, those teams were real, right? And I think that's that's what I got. It's just a – it's a wild card. It's a crapshoot. You got to get hot at the right time. You got to have everyone pull on the right strings. And, and I think, you know, you got to get a couple – lucky bounces uh, going through there as well. And maybe just speaking of the Yankees and the AL East in general, obviously you got to experience it last year. Um, what did you learn about playing in this division, which is obviously one of the very competitive ones uh, across the league? Yeah, it's a great division. And every every series, every AL East series feels like a, a playoff atmosphere and uh, it's competitive and you're running into some outstanding arms every single night. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed uh, being a part of, you know, some of those rivalries. Uh, I know uh, Toronto had their way with the Red Sox uh, two years ago. And and the way we started last year, I, th I think we won a, f a few games in a row. It looked like, you know, roles were going to reverse, but um, you know, it's just good baseball uh, no matter where you go in the division. And, and I love good baseball. So. Great. Thank you for your time. See you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Go ahead, Peter. Hey, Justin, how are you, man? What's up, Pete? Hey, what, um, did you ever feel that there was a chance of going back to Boston or, or was that 
um, you know, did you kind of think at the end of the season you were, you were going to end up somewhere else? Yeah, I know. Uh, I think as time went on, it was appearing to be less and less likely. Uh, you know, right when the season ended, I assumed that it would be a no brainer that I would try to work something out and come back. I think uh, part of the difficulty in those conversations was um, the process in finding a new CBO um, probably took a little bit longer than, than they anticipated. And um, you know, those conversations weren't able to happen until later. And um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I just didn't know what was going to happen with, with the, with Breslow coming in. Right. And um, not to put words in your mouth, but it, it's fair to say that you enjoyed your time there. It, it seemed like you really did. Uh, yeah. Every minute of it. I, I, well, except, except for when I got hit in the face in spring training, but other than that, uh, it, it was a blast. Uh, it was really special. I think to put on that uniform, get to play in Fenway. Um, the city was great. They took me in, accepted my wife and I, we hosted a foundation event, um, which uh, we had a ton of support for. So uh, we we loved it. Uh, we enjoyed every minute of it. I don't have a, a bad thing to say about uh, the city of Boston. Um, you know, it was it was fantastic. Thanks, man. Good luck. Thank you. Go ahead, JP. Hey, JT. Congratulations. Uh, curious to ask on on Bo Bichette, what do you admire the most about the way that he approaches hitting? Yeah, I, I haven't gotten an opportunity to get like too into detail with him, but um, having some conversations with people and uh, like I said, having the same agent, um, being a little familiar with him. I just think the professionalism in the at-bat, right? Uh, he knows how to drive the ball to all fields. He makes two strike adjustments. He takes pride in putting the ball in play and not striking out. Uh, he can hit behind guys. Uh, he can do a lot of things with a bat. And uh, we talk about it kind of, he, ha- he has a lot of different clubs in his bag, right? Um, you know, he can, he can hit the long ball. He can shoot it the other way. Uh, he can do a lot of things that are, that are really special. And I think uh, obviously hitting's in his DNA. So I'm looking forward to to being around him and hopefully learning some stuff from him as well. And with Manoa, you saw Alec once early in the year uh, and then once late. Uh, based on what you've seen of, of him in the past and, and the potential to bounce back, how excited are you for his 2024 season? Yeah, obviously he went through a lot of stuff last year. And, um, you know, I think one of the good things about going through crap and, and having that adversity is is it helps you grow as a person. And, again, I haven't had a chance to to talk to him one-on-one or, or even meet him really, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, the Alec Manoa that comes into camp this year uh, and the growth that he's made uh, after everything he went through last year. So uh, hopefully he can get back to the guy that was the all-star that was, you know, dominating lineups and, and strutting around the mound. And, and lastly, for me, you played in Toronto on Canada day a year ago. What did that experience convey to you about what a great place Toronto was to play? Yeah, I've always said it. It is. It's just hard to wrap your head around playing for an entire country, right? I, I've never got a chance to play for Team USA, so uh, I don't have that uh, experience. So this will be the probably closest thing I have to playing for a national team, and uh, being the only major league team in an entire country, having getting to feel that support 
from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast is is something I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Thanks, JT. Congrats. Thank you. Pick our last one here from Shy. Hey, Justin. Just a couple quick follow ups for me. Uh, the heel injury that you had at the at the end of last season. Uh, can you describe a little bit what it was like playing through it and whether you needed anything done to it over the off season or is it just rest and recovery to get through it? Yeah. So obviously just jammed it in the base and uh, I thought it was, I thought it was actually a bone bruise. Um, didn't do an MRI. It, everything just said, Oh, you have a bone bruise. Uh, it didn't really go away um, because I only missed, I think four or five games uh, and kept playing on it. And it was, it was annoying really. Um but it didn't it didn't hurt me running it it really just affected me stopping was the hard part um but you know i stayed in boston for a couple months uh when the season ended i was going into the training room uh getting work done ended up going to get an mri and they found out it wasn't even a it wasn't even a bone bruise it was just kind of like a little i don't even know how to describe it it was like a a little almost dead area in in a fat pad where they said just blood wasn't getting to it so uh, treated it for a couple months, just did some modalities to try to stimulate blood flow down there. And it's been feeling great. I, I've ran a couple five K's this month, so, uh, it's not really, not really affected me. <laughs> okay. And just on a different note, the all-star NHL all-star guy meet here in Toronto right now. Uh, I think you've got a golf tournament that you're hosting this weekend. Uh, but, uh, how big a hockey fan are you and, uh, who's your team? Is there anybody you will maybe keeping an eye on, uh, from a distance? Uh, huge hockey fan. Um, I grew up in LA, grew up watching the Kings. Obviously Gretzky was here, uh, McSorley, Rob Blake, all those guys. Um, and then my wife is actually best friends with Tyler Toffoli's wife, who's with the New Jersey Devils now. He's from Toronto. Um, so once he got traded from the Kings, I've kind of just been following him along and whatever team he's, he did a whole Canadian tour too. He was in Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, um, so I've just been following him around, um, watching games and, uh, it's been exciting to watch. I am fired up. Uh, I think April 11th, we have an off day and the devils are up in Toronto playing. So, uh, I will probably be at that game. So devils is their current status as your favorite NHL team? No, the Maple Leafs. <laughs> Smart answer. Uh, thank <laughs> you. Good luck this weekend. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Justin, for the time. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.